This is from the prophet Zephaniah, chapter 1, verse 7, and verses 12 through 18. Be silent before the Lord your God, for the day of the Lord is at hand. The Lord has prepared a sacrifice. The Lord has consecrated his guests. At that time, says the Lord, I will search Jerusalem with lamps, and I will punish the people who settle like dregs in wine. Those who say in their hearts, the Lord will not do good, nor will he do harm. Their wealth shall be plundered, and their houses laid waste. Though they build houses, they shall not inhabit them. Though they plant vineyards, they shall not drink wine from them. The great day of the Lord is near, near and hastening fast. The sound of the day of the Lord is bitter. The warrior cries aloud there. That day will be a day of wrath, a day of distress and anguish, a day of ruin and devastation, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of trumpet blast and battle cry against the fortified cities and against the lofty battlements. I will bring such distress upon people that they shall walk like the blind because they have sinned against the Lord. Their blood shall be poured out like dust and their flesh like dung. Neither their silver nor their gold will be able to save them on the day of the Lord's wrath. In the fire of his passion, the whole earth shall be consumed. For a full, a terrible end, he will make of all the inhabitants of the earth. Well, this is a fun text for the Sunday before Thanksgiving. <laughs> or not. It is not. It's not a fun text. It is a strange text for us. It's disturbing, it's dark, it is shot through with violence. It is the kind of thing that Christians tend to turn away from in the Hebrew scriptures saying, oh, that doesn't feel like the God we know. Yet it is the text that the common preaching schedule, the lectionary, assigns to this day. It is not the text we wanted this morning, is it? What we want on the Sunday before Thanksgiving is peace. We don't want strangeness for a holiday season that's all about what's familiar and traditional. We want reassuring and celebratory texts about God's abundance. We want to be gathered in as around the Thanksgiving table with the people who know us well and love us anyway. But these are strange times, troubled times, aren't they? The world rumbles under our feet. We worry that the rumblings will soon turn into an earthquake. Maybe troubled times call for troubling texts. Rumblings call for texts that shake us up. Maybe it is appropriate, after all, that today's assigned readings include the cries of a prophet you may never even have heard of, Zephaniah. Now, let me be clear. Home Church does not have a rule book that states that its pastors must always preach the texts assigned by the lectionary. But here is something I learned from Moravian pastor Bill McElveen. Preaching from the lectionary schedule helps preachers avoid getting stuck on our favorite and most comfortable texts. It forces us to broaden our knowledge and our message. 
It is a good thing for all of us, not just preachers, to let the, the lectionary confront us. God confronts us all the time. You know what else confronts us? The news, if we dare to listen. However much you and I want peace on this Sunday before Thanksgiving, people in the Middle East want it more. Every day in Israel and the Gaza Strip is the very day Zephaniah describes, a day of wrath, a day of distress and anguish, a day of ruin and devastation. We cannot avoid the world of the prophets by avoiding the words of the prophets. And however much we may want to cling to the New Testament as comfortable and reassuring, we cannot know the God of the New Testament without knowing the God of the Old. How can we believe that the Bible describes two different gods when we believe there is only one God? So we ought to be able to find, even in this troubling text, a message that speaks of the God we know, a message of abundance and even of peace, a message that can call us to gratitude in troubled times, the message we all came looking for on this Sunday before Thanksgiving. So like God searching Jerusalem, let's light our lamps and go looking. Zephaniah is one of the 12 brief prophetic books that the Protestant Bible gathers at the end of the Old Testament. Probably these books were composed between the 6th and 4th centuries B.C. after the fall of the last king of Judah. Those were troubled times for the Jews. First taken captive to Babylon and later returning to their homeland to find it an unfamiliar place full of new faces and new customs. If we don't at first recognize God in these texts, it is not too hard to recognize humanity. The human beings in these texts are vulnerable to political games and violence. The human beings in these texts are frustrated by the deafness and complacency of their moneyed classes and their leadership. The human beings in these texts have suffered what scholars call the futility curse, which pops up frequently in the Hebrew scriptures. A futility curse decrees that the labor of your hands will come to nothing. You'll build houses, but you won't get to live in them. You'll plant vineyards, but others will drink up all your wine. The human beings in this text would like to see someone punished for this. They are angry. And when human beings are angry, they want God to be angry too. And so the human beings in this text are waiting expectantly for the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is a day of destruction. A destroying God is not unfamiliar even to us Christians who avoid the Old Testament prophets. Don't we teach our children the story of Noah's Ark? Like the story of the flood, the book of Zephaniah begins with God's declared intention to utterly sweep away everything from the face of the earth. And from there, the book moves into this terrible litany, describing the coming day of the Lord, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of trumpet blast and battle cry. The Hebrew word for day is yom, 
And in this text in Hebrew, it tolls like a bell, yom, yom, a low rumble, herald of the earthquake to come. Why would anyone pray for this to happen? That is what another prophet, Amos, will wonder. Alas, Amos cries, for you who desire the day of the Lord, why do you want the day of the Lord? It is darkness, not light, as if someone fled from a lion and was met by a bear. People who are angry want punishment for the people who made them angry. But the prophets put us on notice. The day of the Lord will deal with everyone who deserves punishment. Everyone. Those who look forward to the day of the Lord should look instead into a mirror where they will see their own sins reflected. When times are troubled and we are angry, sometimes justifiably even righteously angry with our fellow human beings, we may cast ourselves in the role of prophets, pointing fingers, saying, God will show them, God will punish them. Yet the true prophetic voice calls us all to accountability. Are we so sure of our own righteousness? The prophet Zephaniah denounces not only the unjust, but also the indifferent, especially the indifferent. Who among us has been neither unjust nor indifferent to injustice? The prophecies of the day of the Lord afford us all an opportunity for self-examination. We are all guilty. Maybe I'm not doing so well on the hunt for a Thanksgiving message. We set out hoping to shine our lamps on words of comfort and abundance and peace, and now it appears we stand in darkness, condemned, silent before the Lord God. The day of the Lord is at hand, and with the people of Judah, we are crowded within the walls of a doomed city, and the earth rumbles beneath our feet. Within that city, only the Lord is righteous. And yet, as Zephaniah will declare in the third chapter, the Lord is within the city. And here lies our hope. Despite the corrupt character of the city, still the Lord resides there. God is present even among those who sin. God is present with the unjust and even the indifferent. God is present to hold them accountable. Yet the God who is present with the oppressor is also present with the oppressed. God is present to inspire the prophetic voice. God is present to embrace the victimized and the marginalized. The God who holds the oppressor accountable holds the oppressed in God's own arms. Are we starting to recognize this God of the Hebrew scriptures? A God who promises justice and also desires mercy? And indeed, this is where Zephaniah's prophecy is headed. Yes, there are more troubling words to come in this book, troubling words for troubling times. There are dark images 
destroyed cities populated by herds of wild animals with owls hooting at windows and ravens croaking at the door. If that feels a little like a poem you may know, it might be because the books of the prophets are deeply poetic. Like poems, these books are meant to be read again and again. They're filled not with literal predictions to help us plot the future, but with ambiguity and wordplay that rewards continuous study and reveals new things with every reading. In the end, what they reveal is the God that we have known all along, a God we know through the death and resurrection of Christ Jesus. Who is Jesus but the God fully present with sinful humanity? Who is Jesus but the God calling us to self-examination and repentance, the God long-suffering in patience, the God who at last displayed to us on God's own body the very violence that we pour out on our fellow humans so that we might recognize its terrible effect and turn from our sinful ways? The vision of humanity's violence wrought upon the body of Jesus is all the punishment we need and also all the consolation we need. The God who is with us in familiar times is the God who is with us in strange times. Sometimes that God is manifest in ways that themselves seem strange. But if we think we cannot find God in troubling texts or troubling times, let us always be willing to light our lamps and go looking. We will find a God we recognize, a God who gets angry at injustice and indifference, a God who is nevertheless present with us in all our injustice and all our indifference and all our sin to urge us toward repentance. A God who, after forcefully stating the case for justice and punishment, offers us mercy and hope. A God not only of peace, but of peace not as the world gives. A God not only of abundance, but of abundant mercy. A God who, as promised in the final words from Zephaniah, will gather us in, saying, I will remove disaster from you so that you will not bear reproach for it. I will deal with all your oppressors at that time, and I will save the lame and gather the outcast, and I will change their shame into praise and renown in all the earth. At that time, I will bring you home at the time when I gather you says the Lord we know, says the Lord who knows us well, says the Lord who knows humanity well and loves humanity anyway. Thanks be to God. Amen. <laughs>